I hear that you like to sing and karaoke is your thing. What? No, that has to be some joke, really. Who said that? <laughs> I need to know who said that. Oh, I can't possibly reveal my sources, Kelly. <laughs> okay, and okay. I have to say that in some parties I have done it, but it's I wouldn't say singing is my thing. I remember um, that was the first time I met Michelle Mouton as well. Uh, she was one of the judges and we were having a lunch break on one of the driving days and uh, we walked into the lunchroom and, and she walked up to me and I was so starstruck. I just, for the first moment, I didn't do anything. <laughs> just stood there. So much so that then she introduced herself to me and told me her name. <laughs> and then I felt like a real idiot because then I was like, oh no, now she thinks I don't know who she is. And oh, I, got... <laughs> I was trying to backtrack and like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know who you are. Very nice to meet you. And, um... Yeah, I still remember that like it was yesterday. Welcome to WRC Backstories, our exclusive World Rally Championship podcast presented by Bex Williams. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of the WRC Backstories podcast. Hope you're doing well wherever you are around the world. And I hope you're basking in some beautiful summertime if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. Southern Hemisphere, maybe it's time to get the jumpers out and get ready for winter time. Uh, we are in beautiful sunshine, I'm pleased to say, right now. I'm going to keep this intro pretty short today because this podcast is definitely for the people who love the longer versions of WRC Backstories. I was very lucky to be able to sit down with co-driver Seb Marshall, who has had a really fascinating career. He sat alongside some fantastic drivers, but it's not just all about the co-driving for Seb Marshall, as you're about to discover. There are many different facets to his personality and his career. So sit back, relax, and get acquainted with Mr. Sebastian Marshall. It's time to speak to another co-driver slash stage end reporter slash logistics location manager slash a bit of everything really. Seb Marshall joins me now. Seb, I have to be honest, I've been wanting to chat to you on the Backstories podcast for quite a long time because you have quite a diverse set of of skills. You're a multitasker. So I think our conversation is going to be quite diverse. First of all, how are you? It's nice to actually be in a, the same room with someone recording this podcast for a change. Well, thank you for the welcome back. I'm, I'm very good. Yes. Um, looking forward to uh, our chat. And yeah, all is well. So I can't complain. <laughs> good. Well, we're in Latvia right now, just to give everyone out there a bit of a, a kind of location heads up. We're on the latest round of the European Rally Championship. It's, it's evening time. We've decided to record this podcast with Seb Marshall. And as ever, as any co-driver, past co-driver, he is seriously prepared for this <laughs> interview. Um, for which I'm going to throw him under the bus a little now, because as everyone knows who listens to the WRC Backstories podcast, we always kick off with describe yourself in three words, which I know Mr. Marshall has prepared. So give me five words to describe your character. Oh, that's evil. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll, I'll hit you with the three that I had worked on. Um, meticulous. Mm -hmm. Resolute. Oh, resolute. That's a good word. Um, logical. Yeah. Uh, prompt. Mm -hmm. And a fifth one. Goodness me. Uh, 
this is why everyone finds it so hard, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> this, this is why, is why I, when, when I catch them out of left field, they're like, um... And, th- and this is why co-drivers are always prepared, because that's just in their nature. Um, fifth word... Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to fall into that trap. No, I'm not going to say that one. I'm not passionate. Everyone says passionate. Yeah, and, and I, yeah. I, I, I won't be like everyone else. Um, enthusiastic. Enthusiastic. Yeah, all good words. Resolute, I like mm. uh, a lot. Um, Seb, you know, you described your character for me there. I've known you for many, many years. I'm trying to think of actually the first time we would have crossed paths. And I think it's mid-2000s at some point. Yeah, probably mid, mid to late 2000s, I reckon. Yeah. Um, certainly, I recall Rally of Scotland in 2009, but um, I'm sure there's a point before that as well. Yeah, I think I think there must have been. And, you know, it was, I think, for me, meeting you evident back then in the early days that you were going to rise through the ranks for all of the, the words you just described about yourself. And... Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I could pick out any more, but I remember thinking and being impressed by you and thinking, yeah, he's he's going to go a long way because the, there's one word you kind of missed, I guess, and that was commitment. Um, and you had such a strong commitment to the sport, to what you were doing, and you weren't, let's say, led astray by any of the other side of rallying, which we'll talk about because you have been over the years, but that's much later on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll come to that. We'll, we'll come to that point. But where does it all come from then? I mean, are we the, the family of marshals? Mm-hmm. Are, are we a motorsport family? Not in the slightest. No, there's Nothing? N- no history at all in my family of, of involvement in motorsport. Um, wow. It kind of came about, I guess, my brother's three years older than I am. And I always used to look up to him and as young, you know, young siblings do, I copied all that he did. And when he was getting into something, I'd follow along and mm. just be you know, kind of in his... Uh, in awe, I guess, of, of looking of him, and we started following Formula One, um, sort of around, I guess, nineteen ninety eight, probably around that sort of time. Um, and my parents took us to the local race circuit, and we watched the British touring cars, and eventually started to watch rallying on TV. Um, and I thought, oh, wow, this is really you know, dynamic and exciting. And and I I remember vividly the the first event that I ever went to was Rally GB two thousand and one. Um, oh, very similar to Mr. Rich Miller. Exactly. I was he listening was to that, our, thinking exactly the same. Um, and yeah, we basically had to convince my dad that oh, this this was brilliant. Yeah, we'd shown him a few events on TV, and obviously, of course, it was the Battle of the Brits going into that event. And mm. we we convinced him to drive all the way from uh, Yorkshire, where we where we live, down to South Wales just for the Sunday, because um, he had to work. There was no other way around it. And of course, McRae was out on the Friday. Ford pulled out Saturday night. There's basically no one left in the rally, but we were committed. We were going to do it, and we, we the three of us, slept overnight in the car. And it was horrendous weather that that day on Sunday. Um, but we we saw the two stages. I think we were in we were in the Riola stage, um, and I, we were like, oh, we've done that, but we should go to the podium. Let's go, let's go to the podium. And f- we were big McRae fans, um, mm. so we were gutted that he'd, he'd crashed out, but. With hindsight, it was actually really special to be there in the square in Cardiff, um, seeing you know, Robert and Richard on the ramp and, and yeah, becoming world champions. And yeah. particularly, like I said, looking back, the, because Robert played such a big part in my development and in my career as well. So yeah, it's it was a special start. And from there, I guess it just snowballed, really. I was hooked um, following it. And yeah, it was a 
that was my kind of introduction to the rallying world. So how old were you? But I this is the question I'm <laughs> dreading the answer to, to be honest. But how old were you in 2001? Um, at the rally, I would have been... Uh, crikey. <laughs> Even like, it feels a long time ago, because it is. Um, I, was, it is. I was 13. 13, okay. Yeah. I was already working on the event at that point, and I almost hosted that final start round. That finish round, rather. Almost. So there we would have met even earlier. We were, yeah, maybe even, even earlier, even earlier. But I remember that rally. It was it was really quite a special one, and it was. I, I was talking about this with Rich when we were reminiscing about it, gutting for McRae, and as he said, that the four team had decided they were withdrawing for for different reasons um, on the on the Saturday. There wasn't many left, and yeah, to see Richard and and Robert up there was definitely very special indeed. So yeah. at the time when you're there and you're, you're watching the rally, you're soaking up the sounds. The sights, the smells. Were you thinking, oh, I, I fancy a crack at this, or were you just enjoying it as a sport at that point, with no, no inclination to even? I think, yeah, very much as just enjoying the spectacle and and being, you know, in awe of stood at the side of the road watching these cars, thinking, wow. I mean, obviously we'd watched it on TV, but nothing can prepare you for what it was mm. like to be stage side and. We, we I, I kind of would have gone to maybe a couple of national events, but didn't really go to many others other than. Rally GB was the thing that the boys did together every year for the next three or four years. Um, yeah. So it became a bit of a kind of, um, yeah, kind of a pilgrimage. Each each November we'd go down and watch the event. And I guess as, as the years went on and I got a bit older and started understanding a bit more what was involved, then I wouldn't say I was kind of really desperate to, to compete, but it just, it kind of piqued my interest. Um, and my first sort of, opportunity to to get in the in a car came 2004 so yeah we did three years on um mm. a friend of my my dad's was was who used to drive and co-drive many many years ago 20 20 years before was getting back into the sport and um he'd got a little peugeot 205 rally and was going to do a, an endurance road rally as they called them back then a three yeah. and he asked my dad to navigate and he was like oh, no, i couldn't do that i'll be sick and by this point, I was a sort of slightly cockier 15-year-old and was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. That sounds like fun. Um, so I did that and just absolutely loved it. Um, and I think from from then on, I kind of always thought I enjoy you know, the, the co-driving side and I'm much better suited to that, my kind of my, my personality, my skill set. Aside from the fact, you know, to drive, you needed to have a car and that was expensive and you had to be 17, 18 and there were so many more barriers to entry so I kind of thought right co-driving is is kind of what I want to pursue but but even when I say pursue it wasn't it wasn't with the intention of becoming a professional it was just you know just good fun um yeah. so yeah that was kind of the intro to the the actual being on on the, the other side of the the car window um but even then it was kind of just driven for enjoyment and I, I, I followed that up the following year with with um with the same driver we did some road rally sort of overnight navigational events which is almost like the the grounding the mainstay of, of every British co-driver has always yes. done something in the lanes um with an ordnance survey map which again I'm a massive fan of the maps and um I, I remember I did five events that year with um with, with Pete the driver um and I threw up on four of them. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> um, and at that point, you would have thought, well, maybe, maybe this isn't for me. But but I, up until the point I was, I was feeling particularly unwell, I was loving it. And we did one event later in the year that was 
slightly dubious whether it was within the, uh, the spirit of the regulations, but essentially they handed us a, a fully marked map book. Mm. Or, you know, re- they just wound the window down. Normally you'd get some clues and instructions for you need to be here, cross this spot height or grid line. And it was just, no, here's an A3 marked map book. And the guy just said, enjoy. And, um, and we did. Yeah, we had, wow. a, we had a great time. So, <laughs> yeah, it was um, not, not the, the smoothest introduction, shall we say. I think, you know, I know for myself, and I'm sure there are many people listening who are the same, who just cannot read or look at anything other than the road ahead when they're in a car because mm-hmm. they're going to feel sick. And I think if I'd flown up like you four times, I would have thought, right, that's it. I'm giving it in. I can't, I can't do it. There must have been something in you to really kind of push you forward to, to continue on trying. Yeah, I, I don't quite know what it was. but um... Craziness. Some <laughs> kind of element of craziness, I'm thinking. But yeah, I guess I kind of, I was quite ambitious at that point and I thought right well I've, I've you know, done that I've done a few road rallies it'll be it'd be great to try and do something on the stages um, so that was my next kind of target and ambition um, which I managed to do within I think within a year of my first um, the very first event actually I did a, a small event near home um, and then of course you get the taste of wow being in a stage rally car is like next level fun because it's you know closed roads and it's faster and it's, yeah the thrill of you know being on gravel and through the woods so then it was kind of bit the enthusiasm ramped up again and, and you've moved away from maps at this point this is well the, actually not no, it, was, the, it was a map incredibly rally. yeah the first rally i did was on maps which wow. um which is i mean very unusual in the uk now yeah. um so i was still kind of taking a little bit of my road rallying um background not that i've been doing it for that long but um yeah trying to do that on the stages was that was an experience as well particularly in the dark on the final stage where we ended up in the ditch but um yeah i mean it happens Character to the best building. of them yeah well there's been plenty of those but uh, uh, you you we've, we've kind of moved ahead a bit because we, we've kind of gone through your teenage years i want to know what what the young said marshall was like at school because i can uh, imagine you were super studious weren't you you were i've got my homework in all time <laughs> it's it's going to be an a 100 percent out of you know 100 <laughs> percent. this is my version of you in my head you are the top student uh yeah not not exactly but i was i, w- I was always quite without trying to be big at it i was quite good at school um mm. but it was funny how i I've, sort of the further i got through my education i realized that if i enjoyed something i would focus on it and i would be quite good at it if it didn't really interest me I'd kind of check out and I wasn't bothered mm. um, so certain subjects I you know really enjoyed like I love geography and um, a bit of maths and this kind of thing but others that were just I don't understand it or it doesn't interest me and I wouldn't you know, completely flunk them but I, I it wouldn't I wouldn't give it as much attention as it perhaps deserves so yeah I, I, I always saw each level as like well you've got to get to that point and then move forward and yeah I mean I, I was a prefect so yeah that 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 probably gives you enough info on that one but yeah it was um I did try quite hard at school yeah good I can see that I see this <laughs> this this is definitely visual you talked about that first rally the the first stage rally was that Hammers Hammersley Hamsterley Hamsterley yes Hamsterley Forest yeah wow and the experience after that then the kind of even though you didn't get to the end of it mm-hmm the the rush of it was that then more motivation to look for yeah definitely um and i think that was where i kind of realized maybe influenced by the the illness on the state of the road rallies but that was where i thought right stage rallies that's where it's at that's mm. kind of what i want to do more of um and like say progress onto note events and 
so I just kind of there was you know back back then there was quite a fledgling online community of on the British Rally Forum as it was and yeah I basically just replied to people saying co-driver wanted and you know, so this is sort of how it came about pre hitting people up on Facebook or Instagram and social media it was all about forums it and was that British yeah. Rally Forum was quite prolific it was yeah and it kind of so someone said oh there was a co-driver acquired you know looking for this they wanted to do BTRDA 1400s which it's a you know one of the domestic series back home it's quite low level but it, it was very well respected at the time and there were a lot of fast drivers in that series yeah. and I still don't quite know how to be honest but with next to zero experience I um I got a reply to my message and uh, a young Scottish driver called David Bogey um said oh yeah we'd, we'd be uh we interested in having you along for a test um you know would, would you be like to come along and I was like wow absolutely I mean David had only been rallying for a year at that point but mm. it was clear that he was he was very quick and um you know his father had rallied and was very successful and they had a good good program uh, to do that championship so yeah I went along to the test um incredibly actually that was I think the only time I met Colin um he was testing his escort in the same forest in in A Oh, wow. Um, and I was completely starstruck by that. I'm um, sure to I don't meet think, McRae. I don't definitely. think I said a, barely said a word. Oh, wow. I don't, focus. You, you're here to <laughs> not do a job, but I'm trying to impress here. Don't, um, don't lose it. Don't, don't lose fanboy it. too much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, off, off the back of that test, I, I yeah, got the, the sort of the chance to do the full season with, with David in the in that championship. And yeah, it was it was great fun. Really great little car, nice team, lovely family. And it was kind of, I think, 10 events or something we did together, just yeah. something like that. And again, each time you kind of progress a bit more. And So how old were you at this point? So when I started that year, I would have been 17. Um, and it, I mean, this is this is clashing with school right now. Mm -hmm. then. Yeah, I was in my... Um, uh, what year was I? I was either in year 12 or 13. Uh, it would have been year, year 13, my final final year at A-Level. 2006, Vauxhall Nova. Yes. The classic rally car from back in the day. It's really. a wonder I fit in it really, isn't it? But um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a great little car. Um, <clears throat> but like you say, it was, I think, maybe four or five events before I'd finished at school. And I'd been speaking with the headmaster and like, oh, dad's parents wrote a letter saying oh, Sebastian's got this opportunity and full blah, name. Blah, of course yeah, yeah blah 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 and essentially they said well we kind of can't stop you but you know we would prefer in such an important part of your uh, education that you're present and this kind of thing but it was only three three or four Fridays that I had to take off so it wasn't the end of the world even yeah. then it was some of the only half days so I for, <clears throat> excuse me in my mind it was a no-brainer um, I had to do it because what a great opportunity. Um, so I did. And um, yeah, I, I don't kind of regret that at all. I got the grades that I needed to, to do to get into university. Um, so from my point of view, it was like, well, yeah, mission accomplished. But how, you know, I've spoken to lots of people now who whose rallying kind of con conflicted with school or it was happening towards the end of school. And in my mind, it must be how, in a way, confusing that you're finding this sport which you are loving mm -hmm. but also you've got your schoolwork as well I mean was there a big part of you that was thinking is this a career or is this just something on the side right now I think at that at that stage and this is something which had all through the time from once I'd started to get interested in it in the sport that I never thought I could make a career out of it it, it was a pipe dream you know mm. there was you look at 
the, you know, there's maybe 10, 12 uh, cars at the top level, you know, and that's the whole world. You, you can't possibly end up there. You know, that, it's, it's ridiculous. So it was purely for the enjoyment and I, and I loved it. And it was, I think perhaps not having that pressure and that expectation meant that I did enjoy it so much more. But as you say, naturally you get older and you think, oh, okay, may, maybe this could be something. And at that point I was never in a position to be able to make it a career. But well, you worked... Can perhaps... I ask you a cheeky question though? Mm. Were you getting paid for it? Oh no, no way. Okay. No, no, no. at that point it was, I, I was in the fortunate position I wasn't having to, to contribute. Yeah. Um, like a lot of people do when they start out. Because yeah, this is something maybe to talk about right now because I know it's different, different places, different countries, but... For, for us in the UK, certainly, for co-drivers, sometimes you have to contribute yeah. to the actual drive yourself. So you are paying to put yourself in that seat. Yeah. So that, that very first event I did in Hampstead, I, I sort of paid my way for that one. Mm-hmm. But I, I was likely very fortunate that after that, um, I, was, I was never earning any money at all. But essentially, it didn't cost me anything beyond, you know buying a round of beers for the mechanics and you know the little things like that you know yeah, the, yeah. The, the maps that I might need or something so yeah that certainly certainly helped because I wasn't um wasn't able to this is as I said you know I couldn't go driving because it costs a fortune um but yeah I guess as you as you kind of as I was getting older I got to that point at the end of uh, end of my school career you know, school time and it's like right well, well now what and yeah. you know I love what I'm doing on the rallies but it's, it's not a career so I need to go and do something. And I was really keen and wanted to, to go to university. Um, and I guess there's a part where I was always in the back of my mind thinking, oh, well, you know, kind of uni's like the backup for the, the ultimate goal. But it was, it was still at that point, it was like, it's not really realistic. I'm still only doing a, a domestic series in the UK. It's nothing special. Yeah, but those nights when you're kind of, you know, you're lying in bed and you can't sleep or whatever and you're thinking about your future, were you actually thinking, I want to be in the World Rally Championship? I want to make a career out of this? I think, I think yeah, there, there must have been an element of that. Um, but you almost don't allow yourself to believe it and jump too far ahead because yeah, you're then just going to get frustrated. Um, mm. But, of course, throughout that year... Well, even, I think we were only on the second event, which was the Malcolm Wilson Rally. Um, and this is perhaps where my, my sort of career took a bit of an upward turn. Um, that year, the um, Motorsport UK, as it is now, the MSA back then, decided to sort of open up applications for, as they called it, the, the Rally Academy. They already had the, the Rally Elite scheme, which yes. the likes of Scott Martin, Dan Barrett, uh, and a few drivers were on to kind of progress talent through... Uh, through, through the ranks, um, but they opened up the Rally Academy for sort of, you know, a lower level intake. And I thought, that looks great, can't hurt to apply. Not thinking in any way, shape or form that I'd actually get on, because I'd only done, like I say, two, three rallies. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember the, the weekend after the Malcolm Wilson Rally, so like I said, three stage rallies done, I got a phone call Sunday evening, I think it was, I don't recognise this phone number, picked it up. And he was Robert Reed, and I was like, "Oh wow, okay." And I was, my voice was trembling. I was kind of, because I knew he was running the scheme, but I never expected to get anywhere near kind of an opportunity to, to be invited to be a part of it. And mm. and he sort of said, "Oh, we were watching at the Malcolm Wilson Rally, and you know, we saw you doing this, and oh, have you thought about doing that?" And I'm like, oh, all right, yeah, writing notes, and and then so you know, we've got this. Um, We'd like you to be a part of the the scheme this year. Would be interested, and of course, I was like, "Wow, absolutely yes!" 
Um, so that I think was one of the biggest turning points for for kind of my trajectory as a co-driver because yeah. it opened up so many opportunities. Um, yeah, the the sort of training that we received from numerous different sides, whether it was the nutrition, the fitness, the kind of psychology, and of course the access to you know across my several years on the scheme, I was able to work with Robert, with Phil Mills, Glenn Patterson, and Nicky Griss. So I was basically mentored by the the three best co-drivers the country's ever produced. Yeah. Um, which you can't ask for anything more. It was just an incredible opportunity. Um, and I was determined to sort of make the most of of that access and, and availability. I think, you know, schemes like that, the British Rally Elite, the, the Academy, they, they were so useful. I remember working with some of the drivers and co-drivers, their media training them and mm -hmm. telling them what to expect from interviews and press conferences and all the rest of it. And, you know, a lot of people will look back and say, oh, well, why didn't, you know, Motorsport UK or the MSA as it was at the time throw all the money behind just one person one co-driver, one driver, whereas mm. this was like a blanket of, of people. But so many of you from the academy moved on to great things. Yeah, it's incredible. You look through the sort of alumni and it's there's a, a lot of people who have gone to, if not the highest, then very high levels in, in across the sport. Um, yeah. Perhaps more in the co-driving side, but of course, you know, that's, that's not to say it wasn't successful. Yeah, Elvin Evans is probably the, the greatest graduate from uh, from the drivers and, you know, yeah, it, it was a really fantastic opportunity. Um, and yeah, even though, like you say, they didn't give you a big wad of cash, but that kind of missed the point of what they were trying to achieve, I think. Um, it was equipping you with the skills to be able to make the most of any opportunities that came up. Um, and yeah, they, they certainly, uh, without a doubt, that you know lifted me a few steps up the ladder in an accelerated fashion. Um, there's no way I would have got to the point that I did. I don't know whether full stop, but certainly at the speed that I did. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Robert Reed, you know, kind of being there as, as an, a mentor, effectively someone you could go and talk to, and Nicky Grist, Glenn. I mean, how helpful was it to be able to go and talk to these people, and were you were you even nervous about going in asking questions at oh, first? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was kind of because you didn't want to appear stupid, but yeah, asking a stupid question or something. But yeah, the they were so good. They was just like an open book with talking about recce's schedules or movement schedules or how you write pace notes and I remember we, you know, we did some recce practice in, in mid Wales one time and I just rocked up with a you know an A4 book and a, and a pencil and, a, and I hadn't seen a pace note a proper pace note book before mm. and I started writing these notes as though I was still jotting down in an exercise book at school and it was like yeah we need to kind of work on you know space these out a bit and I learned so much and yeah, they were so, you know, um, willing to, to give up their secrets and their kind of share information and generous. Yeah, exactly. Um, because they, you know, they could see how much of an impact it was having and, and yeah, I'm, I'm forever grateful for that. And, uh, presently I'm sort of fulfilling the role the other way now. I'm mentoring a few co-drivers who are on the scheme presently and it's nice to be able to kind of give back in that sense and, but also see what, they saw back then of ah you know it's sharing your your knowledge and your experience um yeah it's really special it is invaluable though isn't it i know a lot of drivers co-drivers now are are doing things like that as mm -hmm. well and i think it's it's not only 
you know, invaluable for the people who are receiving it, but it's a rewarding thing to do, as I'm sure you're finding with the co-drivers you're mentoring. Definitely, because yeah. Because you have such a wealth of experience across, you know, and I, sometimes I find it hard to believe because we've both discussed this, time goes so quickly <laughs> that, you know, we're looking back, it's 20 years of your career. Gulp, yeah, it yeah, is, it is, it is so. yeah. It's yeah. 20 years you've been, you know, co-driving, and okay, you talked about this high acceleration, and mm-hmm. it, it really was because I remember seeing your name just seemingly just popping up everywhere. Like, oh, there's that said Marshall again. Oh, there he is. There yeah. he is again. It just snowballed very quickly. What were your family thinking about all of this? <laughs> well, I think um, so. I, I like I said after school, I went to uni for three years, um, and all through that, I was kind of like, well, well I spent a. So moment. what were you studying in uni? <laughs> well. <laughs> Um, driving. <laughs> about as close as you could get. Um, so I mentioned before, I'm, I'm, I'm into my maps and this kind of thing. So I was studying uh, geomatics, to give it one title. Or Do you know what? I'd have no idea what that was. So it, a slightly simpler version is surveying and mapping science. So okay. as I said to most people at the time, it's like a combination of geography and maths. Um, there's lots of things with maps. Uh, I, like, I like the geography element of it. I mean, that was not, my favourite part. To not be so fussed on the maths, but yeah, well, to be fair. yeah. Um, but we'd have bits of like land surveying. Um, I was fascinated by GPS technology and tracking mm. and this kind of thing. Um, yeah, it, it was about as co-drivery kind of degree as you could get, really. Um, and it taught you all the, the skills that you use in 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 the, in the car. There's lots of teamwork. There was lots of logical thinking um lots of kind of problem solving um and yeah and it was all wrapped up in something that meant you could be outside not in a lecture hall you were out in the field and it was yeah i I really enjoyed my time there um and i think it was a very valuable experience um but by this point i had the kind of the fire was burning a bit stronger um so so while you were in uni were you still co-driving then yes you were so yeah i um I was doing, first year I was doing the Fiesta Sport Trophy in the UK. Um, wow, and so that, that was, was 2007. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was kind of a year where I was sort of, in my mind, stepped up a level. We were faster cars and mm. doing some different events. I think towards the end of the year I did like six or seven events in the space of nine weeks with five five or six different drivers. I'm looking at it right now on yeah, your stats. It was busy. It was really busy. <laughs> um but it gave you a great wealth of experience. Um, yeah. And from that, I kind of also I met um, through the Rally Academy. I started thinking, oh, Adam Gould, he's he's going places. Right, I should probably try and yeah have a chat with Adam and see. Because also he'd had Scott Martin co-drive for him that year. Mm-hmm. And obviously Scott was many rungs further up the ladder than I was. So I was like, okay, this this guy is clearly good. Um, so yeah, then then my sort of partnership with Adam started in the, in 2008. He was quite a wild driver from my recollection, Mr Gould. Yeah, in some way, wild in some ways, but he was also very smooth and calculating in others. Um, yeah, he, uh, we, we had our fair share of incidents, um, but, <laughs> but yeah, um, we, had, we had a really good year. That first year in, in the two-wheel drive, um, Clear Ragnotti sounded fantastic. Yeah. Um, and it was a great fun little car to be in. Um, and we kind of, off the back of that, won the Pirelli shootout. So we got a fully funded drive in the British Championship the following year, um, which by this point was coming into finals year at uni. Um, so, yeah, this is where things started to get a little bit trickier because um, I had this, you know, by this point, it was still the, this was the biggest opportunity I'd had. Mm. Um, you're essentially a, 
again, I wasn't getting paid, but I was a sort of semi-works driver in the, in the BRC. Um, but third year of uni, it's crunch point if you want to get a degree. Yeah. So <laughs> it all came to a bit of a head on uh, the, the Jim Clark rally is typically around the end of May, which is when you're doing your final exams. Um, and I was on tenterhooks when they released the, the exam timetable. And it came out, and I was devastated. There was an there was a there was a an exam on the Friday or the Saturday morning. I think it was of the gym Clark. Clark. And I love that rally. I've been to spectate on it for many years before. Done it the couple of years prior as well. It's just brilliant. And I was studying in Newcastle, so it's just up the road, basically an hour and a half drive. And I was like, oh, wow. But there was also another exam on the Thursday or something. So I looked at it and thought, well, I've got to do the rally. That's that's there's no question. I will do the rally. How can I get around it? Um, so, in true co-driver style, I dug into the university regulations. I don't believe this. Did you really? I did because I spend my time with you. And you're like, <laughs> Let me just check the sporting regulations here. This is what you. This is what the past two days we've been together. You've been into those regs at least five times. Yeah. In the past two days, so you went into the university I, regulations. Yeah, I I dug out the university regulations and, and went through them with a fine tooth comb to understand how do they classify a degree, um, and so uncovered this basically how they add up all the point all your marks from different modules and this kind of thing and arrive at right this is a first this is a two one this is a two two and so i thought right well i'll take all that i'll build a little spreadsheet um with what all i I know what my marks have been from the previous year which also counted and from the january exam which counted put in some of my coursework marks and kind of basically trying to work out a predicted scenario because the key point was you can fail one module and still get a a degree but if you fail two modules you're out you don't get anything so I was like right well I can't you know my parents and I have invested a lot in in being at university Mm. I can't just throw that all down the the tube so my spreadsheets put all the numbers in and it said right boom if you fail that module but do everything up to standard as you're expected you'll pass so I was like right this is it then so I, I told my um, my university, my lecturer or my kind of um, tutor, I can't recall, what the plan was. It was a fait accompli, this is what I'm doing, mm. blah, blah, blah. I read all the stuff. It's it's legit. Um, and so they were like, well, we clearly don't agree with this by explaining what my situation was within rallying and how it was a great opportunity. But I did it anyway. So I went up to the gym clerk. I did the recce. I then drove back down to Newcastle, did an exam that afternoon, then, which was an hour and a half, two hours, let's say, jumped in the car, drove straight back up, did shakedown, and then, um, and then the rally started the next morning. So I, I was on the stages whilst my friends and uh, were, in, were in the exam hall, and I, I remember getting a text from my best friend, he said, uh, you're reading pace notes whilst I'm reading about geohazards. Life, <laughs> life sucks, win. <laughs> and I didn't quite win, but we got on the podium, um, which was my best result of the year. And it was, it was I, like I said, I love that ride. It was a fantastic weekend. Mm. And I got my degree. So it was like, again, 
Win-win. Yeah, I, that was... I was. Oh, I, want, <laughs> I want you in my corner when, when any regulation has to be looked at. But you see, this is now, you know, you, as soon as you say that, the fact that you did that back then, and I know how much into the, <laughs> the sporting regulations you are, as soon as we have any queries, it's like, get it out. Let's have a look at it. Um, you know, I can just see the future as a sport. You would be such a valuable sporting director of a team because you know so much and, yeah, mm. can get around the way things are written because there are so many different ways of interpreting a regulation. This is it, yeah. Um, nobody would have thought that missing an, an exam would, would actually be, yeah, okay. But, well, essentially, you're just, I well, still did the coursework. I just failed the module because I didn't turn up. If but... any teams are listening right now, I think you need to be marking Seb's card, definitely. So the degree is done. You've got that in the bag. So, obviously, you're off to find a job as a chartered surveyor. Uh, not quite. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't think so. No. Um, what happens next? Plenty of my friends did go on to um, to get jobs in the industry, but I, I moved back home. Still had the rest of the season to finish out, um, and I actually did some work for my uh, for my stepdad then, um, working in his company. For Doing what? A bit of all sorts, really. Um, so I was, he had a, a sort of furniture and um, homeware company. So I was doing some of the accounts, some of the sales, on the van delivering, um, you name it. I was doing all sorts. I mean, basically because throughout all of uni um, and kind of at this point, I think yeah, my parents were like, oh, what are you going to do? When are you, you know, and this is a recurring thing. When are you going to get a proper job? Well, yeah, and I was that is the typical parent line. Exactly, right? and I was steadfastly refusing. So it's like, well... You're not living at home rent free and doing, you know, sitting around all day. You're going to work for it. I was like, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I worked. I worked back uh, back in the company there for probably six, six or eight months, maybe. Um, but um, yeah, I then moved into 2010, and I got a call middle of January from uh, someone who had run me in, a, in the Fiesta Trophy a few years before, saying, "Oh, Seb, we've we've got um, a driver that's doing Monte Carlo Rally." we need someone to do the gravel notes or the ice notes. Would you be available? And I said, absolutely, yeah. Um, so I jumped on the plane, went out and did the, the ice notes. My first experience of Monte Carlo, which was an eye-opener, but again, another big experience. Um, even just, you know, as we were on the ice notes, you drive it in the dark. At, so who was this for? So the driver was Harry Hunt, who um, was competing, yes. um, and I was, uh, I was, yeah, obviously in the gravel note car with Matthias Boone, who had yes. known from Fiesta days. Um, and I remember flying back after the weekend. Uh, we were in Nice Airport, and and Ewan Evans, who was sort of managing Harry, said to me, "Oh, would you uh, would you be interested and available to uh, to do Rally Sweden in the car?" And of course, I, I didn't need asking twice. It was like I knew what program Harry had that year, and I was like, "Wow, okay." this is the next step um, from, because unfortunately I didn't have a programme lined up anyway. So at that point it was like, oh, this this kind of idea is about to be torpedoed until it got rescued. Um, and yeah, so I ended up doing the full Junior World Championship plus a couple of extra events and then basically the, the IRC, as it was then, the Intercontinental Rally Challenge, yes. two-wheel drive cup. So I think we did something like 18 events that year. Um, which again just accelerated my kind of learning and development as a co-driver massively because you're doing all the WRC rallies in Europe. I mean, and... That that was quite a feat, and I'm you know when you look at all these events that you did that year, it wow. was it was phenomenal. Um, it was and it was great fun. 
we had a, a lot of laughs and a lot of good times and uh, you know but at the same time so you've got you've got yeah sweden on here turkey you did you did killarney Irish <laughs> yeah. championship rally portugal sardinia ypres then in the erc then bulgaria the only time we ever went there with the wc finland germany zlin back in the irc san remo alsace scotland and catalonia it's... cyprus wales rally gb i mean it's all of them basically 2010 and yep. you are a professional co-driver yeah this is it. This is the first time that it was like, wow, I'm this actually... Is, you I'm can actually, say, yeah, this is my job. This is my job, And you yeah. were getting paid at this point. Yeah, that was the first time it was like, ooh, okay, this is nice. Um, and wow. I think, like, when you're reeling them off there, I remember now, the back end of the year, we did six rallies in eight weeks. It was just relentless. You know, yeah, it would have been with, with GB, with Cyprus, Spain, and Scotland, we were... Alsace, all in the September, October, San Remo. It was... All in September, October time. Wow. <laughs> it was mad, but it was kind of... Yeah, if you, if you asked me to do it now, I'd be like, that's, that's a heck of a lot, but... <laughs> yeah, but you were young. Exactly. You were young and you, you were young enthusiastic. And carefree and, yeah, it didn't matter if I was away from home for, for five weeks or whatever. And, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. Um, and it gave me that next kind of push on the, the kind of the, yeah, on the ladder and I think because I'd actually done my first WRC event a couple of years before an opportunity that had come out come about through my involvement with the academy um I did rally Germany in 08 ah, with yes. Richard Moore who was a gentleman driver who wanted to give an opportunity to a, a young upcoming co-driver so the, the the scheme picked me for that one um which was great and you did finish we did finish we got round and it was a bit of an eye-opener but that was like wow I want to do more of that but I had to wait sort of 18 months yeah, before I got the chance to be in a WRC event again and, and then you know it's it's Sweden and that's such a it's a baptism of fire <laughs> yeah. for any driver co-driver pairing going and rallying on snow which is something which is completely alien to you and to Harry Hunt who it, you were alongside it was yeah yeah we um Unfortunately, we super well, super rallied as it was back then on the first day, um, about halfway through. So we restarted at the back of the field. And I always remember we, we visited a lot of snowbanks. Yeah. The rope was permanently attached to the roll bar to pull us out. <laughs> um, so we had massive thanks to all the, uh, the Swedish fans that year. But I always remember the um, at the time when we'd, we'd go into the snowbank, I'd jump out, and, and we were the last car on the road. And the sweeper car was like a really beat-up old Volvo. Um, and it just reminded me of the time, you know, we're on Top Gear where they'd have those challenges back then and there'd always be like the, the, the car that would lurk as a shadow and it's like, if you mess up, this is what awaits you. <laughs> and every time I'd get out of the car, like, oh, I want to be pulled out of the snowbank again, I'd turn around and it'd be there. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was, it, was, um, it was really funny, kind of. But we got through it and, you know, you learn so much, um, mm. which, yeah, takes you through for the next time you go back there, which was quite a while later. But, yeah, it was it was an amazing year. Um, just ended in a slightly bad way for me <laughs> with a big accident. But, yeah, it was um, it was great. I really, you know, wouldn't change it. It was broken bones, was it not? It yeah. was, yeah. We, so we'd done, I don't know, I did add it up once. I think it was nearly 5,000 kilometres of competition that year. And I, we were doing the, the Fiesta Sport Trophy shootout in Greystoke in Cumbria. Mm. Um, and I'd called the final note of the third run that we were doing, 150, you know, flat six left of a finish. And I'd called the finish uh, just about the point that we hit the tree. Oh. Um, and yeah, we, we hit pin, pinball between the banks and hit a tree stump and then cannoned into a tree head on basically at about, I don't know, 60 or 70 miles an hour. 
So yeah, unfortunately I <laughs> I succumbed and broke uh, two bones in my hand and two bones in the front of my pelvis. Nasty. Yeah, that, that stung. Um, so I got a free yeah. trip in a helicopter and um, yeah, <laughs> up to Carlisle and uh, yeah, it was, it took me quite a while to kind of, first of all, you know, fix those broken bones in a, in a cast and this kind of thing and then realise, right, okay, because that was the first, I'd had quite a few accidents before then, but that was the first and thankfully only time where I actually broke anything um, but it did make you think oh okay reevaluate a couple of things uh, yeah. you do think twice about getting back in the car but I'm sure you do and you know you, we see such big big accidents and luckily the safety level has gone up year yes. on year yeah. on year the safety level has gone up but still you know I am well aware that every time a driver and co-driver start stage it's you know, you, it's a big risk yeah it's a dangerous sport um, yeah. and at, at that age you know and when you're that young, it's kind of, ah, you brush, you know, yeah. dust yourself down and get on with it. Um, but it did take me a, a little while to kind of uh, get back into the swing of things. Um, I started off doing uh, the British Championship again with, with Adam Gould, who uh, was, you know, was, oh yeah, jump in, you know, kind of familiarity and this kind of thing. Mm. Um, but it was still from a, a very full-on year the year before, I was faced with not doing a great deal in, in 2011. Um, yeah. Harry and I had kind of parted ways. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a, when that happened sort of springtime, I was like, oh crikey, I've, you know, I'm not working for my parents anymore, I've, I've kind of, this is my job, but I've not got any work on. So I remember I just opened my phone book and thought, right, I've just got to ring everyone I know and be like, hi, just want to touch base, how are you doing, kind of, just to let you know I'm looking out for any work, any opportunities, I'm, you know, willing to do anything, this, that and the other. And yeah, as it turned out, I, like I said, I spoke to all those people who mentored me and I think it was when I spoke to um, Phil Short, who, or someone related at least to um, the WRC Academy as it was then, mm. um, they said, oh, well, we could do with an extra pair of hands. So yeah, could... the WRC Academy, which was the junior championship yes, back in the day. exactly. And yeah. not the academy you were talking about earlier, yes. which is, everything was called academy. It was, wasn't point, it? That was in vogue. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I went out to Rally Portugal, to, which was the first round of that series, to help them out and you know, basically be a bit of a dog's body. But I didn't care. I was I was on the events, and of course that gives you the opportunity to speak to more people, and you, you're not forgotten, you know, because mm. your your face is still around, and and that that went quite well. So they said, oh, can you do help us out in Sardinia again, which was the next event um, a few weeks later. So I said, sure, yeah, you know, you you know, get me there on a flight, and that's fine. Um, so I went back there, and then I got sort of throughout that weekend got chatting to um, to another co-driver. Um, Coral Taylor, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, she was over-supporting her daughter Molly, who was doing the WRT Academy, and um, and we we were chatting for about oh, an hour and a half, two hours one day, just all things co-drivery as you do, mm. and um, and she said, oh, well, it might be an opportunity if you'd be interested, because you know, I was very vastly experienced in her eyes, and I was like, oh, not really, um, but <laughs> if you'd be interested to sit with Molly potentially, and I was like, oh, well, wow. you know, yeah. le leave it with me, kind of, and then the phone rang a few days later. From Molly, it was like, oh, I am, um, you know, kind of, oh, how are you? And would you be interested? And I was like, well, yeah, definitely. It's back in in the car at the world championship level. So, um, yeah, we we agreed to do the rest of the year together. And I think, gosh, we did three or four years yeah. together in in kind of that followed. So, yeah, it was another kind of sliding doors moment where one one opportunity had come to an end, and I wondered, gosh, what on earth next? Um. 
again, then I guess you've got to put yourself in the position to be able to make the most of these these things when they come about. And yeah, that then was another another sort of turning point in the career as I was back in the game. You were back in the game, and it was the start of what is still a beautiful friendship mm, with yeah. with you and Molly. And it was a great couple of years together because it was such an incredible partnership. Yeah, again, as I've said it a lot with the kind of these formative years, we had a lot of fun. Mm. Yeah, that first year in particular, we were road tripping everywhere between the WRC kind of events and... Funny you should mention road trip. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Hold on just one second, because I have been messaging a few people um, in, in preparation for this this podcast. Molly, of course, was uh, was one of them. Um, but, you know, she, she <laughs> her response when I said, you know, tell me the key, key stories... <laughs> Hello, oh God, where to start? Was But she does mention, she said, I think our road trip in 2011 from Estonia to Finland, then Germany and back to the UK was pretty epic. <laughs> yeah. So you weren't flying at this point, you were driving everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah, because we, we had, um, Molly had a, a car that she was using for bits of testing and small events sort of in between the WRC ones. And mm. yeah, we'd... we'd got it from the UK to Estonia and we did Rally Estonia, then took it up to Finland and did a test there. But both the rally car itself was having some big electrical teething issues and also regrettably the van that was towing it. So it was if what if neither of them worked in harmony, it was one of them would break down at some point and <laughs> I remember we, we got the boat from Helsinki down to Travemunde in Germany, which was like a 24-hour ferry. Um, and there was myself and Molly and um, Coral and uh, Harry Bates, um, you know, sort of family friend of, and obviously yeah. highly rated competitor now. Um, we were all on there and it was just a big adventure and we got off the other side and, yeah, look, van broke down and we tried to find things to fix it. And it was just everything that could be thrown at you was. And yet somehow it was like, oh, well, we'll just crack on and get on with it. And... Yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Some great memories from that from that time. Um, and yeah, there was some some big highs, some big lows as well. But that's kind of part of part of it, the sport, I think, really. Let's talk about one of the lows, uh, which was Ypres twenty twelve, mm. where you crashed. Yeah. Uh, Molly says, um, and she still feels guilty about this to this day, <laughs> uh, that she hid behind the truck when you got back to service, whilst poor Seb bore the brunt of a very unimpressed team boss. Yeah. So you took the, I, the I, stick. I took the fall for that one, yeah. Um, I, I hope Molly won't mind me saying, don't think it was my fault. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, basically, stage, stage one, Dickaboos as it was, and I remember ex exactly where it was, just a, a particularly bumpy um, cut in the grass. Um, mm. The Citroen DS3 that we were in just swapped ends on us. Um, we didn't actually retire incredibly we went from one ditch to the other ripped the front and the back off it the car looked a real state and we got to the end and i think we yeah we got to the end of the stage and looked at it and thought oh, the rate the temperatures and the pressures are all okay and we'll pull the bumper off and keep going yeah. and we did but there was yeah kind of <laughs> got back to service and there was some distinctly unimpressed um yeah people there like what are you playing at stage one kind of and i was like oh I know because as you probably can gather from me being a yeah, um, studious at, at school I don't like being told off kind of I'm, I'm a bit a bit of a you know kind of I don't think many people do so no but yeah especially um, I've had it a few times but yeah I do recall that one wasn't very pleasant and to be honest I don't uh, even though it was a, a fantastic 
start to our little campaign that year, I didn't really want to be there either. Um, it was only a week or so after um, the accident that Craig and Gareth Roberts had. Oh, so of course. thoughts were elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so that okay, the the accident was was one. Well, the, the small off was one thing, but then getting a bollocking from the team boss, I was like, solved it. So I really, yeah, I can I can do yeah. without this. Um, there are bigger things in life, and I don't want to be here right now. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it that was a really difficult weekend. Um, yeah. Let's talk about that if you don't mind, because when we when I spoke to Craig last year on backstories, the first thing he said to me was like. Please talk about Jaff. Mm -hmm. You know, don't, don't feel like you can't ask me anything at all about it because I, you know, I love to talk about yeah. him. But it was a really difficult period when that happened for everyone, I think, who knew him because it was, he was such a big character for such a small person yeah. and a big smile. He was, just like you are, so committed to what he was doing, such a professional. And yeah. I remember Yamo Leitinen, who was still competing at the time with Miko Hirvinen, we were chatting one day and he said, oh, you know, I've been talking to, to Gareth. And he said, he's, you know, he's, he's one of the best. He's going to go far. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you could see it in him that cool. he was such this in incredible light of a person. He was a joy, but also so dedicated to what he was doing. Oh, completely. Um, I mean, yeah, Gareth, he was a year older than I was. Um, like I said, we were very, very similar in lots mm -hmm. of ways. Com polar opposites in terms of he was absolutely tiny and I'm massive but <laughs> there's some great photos of us stood next to each other um, but yeah I think Gareth had kind of already got to that point of doing the fiestas and for international series and he was kind of a, the next step ahead of me and I looked up to that as like oh well you know if Jeff's doing this then that's what I need to be aiming to do yeah. next and he was you know we were rivals and we were kind of he was a bit of an inspiration but yeah he was, he was a, a good friend as well and at the start of 2012, I'd actually, um, Craig had asked me to do some coordinating for them. So the start of their prize sort of drive in SWRC, as it was then, I was there with, with Tom Garn and the rest of the team sort of coordinating. And it was basically Jeff that asked for me to be there, um, yeah. to kind of be that extra pair of hands. It was new for him as well to be at that sort of level. So if he had another co-driver there just to make sure all the, the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed. Um, and I loved it. It was great kind of being there, part of a team. And yeah, there were, there were lots of lots of great memories. And yeah, it was such a an awful shock and kind mm. of, yeah, an incredible, you know, I, mean, I was nowhere near as close as some of you know, Craig and of course his family. But when someone so familiar and such, you know, like say such a ray of light and, and yeah. energy, um, yeah, it, it, it was a really tough period. Um, for everyone I think and yeah particularly when you're striving to do the same achieve, achieve the same objectives and the same goals and you know it, you kind of always have that blimey that it could have been me and yeah yeah it's it's and, a, and a sobering does, thought it is a sobering thought and you are obviously jumping into the car with Molly you know the, the very kind of next weekend and you're doing your job mm. but obviously in the back of your mind there's there's that how does you know it, as a competitor, how do you put put that to one side? The the possibility, like you said, it could have been you, it could have been anyone. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I, I don't I don't really know. Um, it's just something that you've. It's probably probably the bad thing. But you almost have to bury your head in the sand yeah, a little bit. Yeah, um, I can I can completely just, appreciate you, that. You, yeah, whatever way you try and choose to sort of blanket out, but um, it's probably not the most healthy way to go about things. But but it it had to be effective um, because. 
ultimately I still had a job to do. And yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was that. But yeah, okay, it was difficult, but you've got to move on. Yeah, you do. And, uh, you know, it seems like Molly Taylor's still feeling the guilt, to be <laughs> honest, for that... Um, for that little incident there where you took the uh, took the brunt of the, the telling off. Um, she said there's too many memories to count. He's he's a bloody special human, is, <laughs> is Mo- Molly's assessment, which is a, such an Aussie thing to say. <laughs> isn't, isn't it, it? just? Um, she said it was particularly great to be going through the whole junior phase as mates on the same journey at the same career stage, mm-hmm. which I think is what, you know, what you've just been referencing. You know, you're all on that ladder together and you're moving at, at sometimes... Like you said, you had an accelerated yeah. pace into into what you were doing, but you're all doing it together. And yeah, there was that kind of special then. Yeah, definitely. And like you say, it's a it's a lasting friendship because you go through so many of these experiences together and you know new things, and it's just like wow, you know you can't. There's such a strong bond there, which was was great, kind of obviously, and very much uh, an asset in that driver co driver relationship. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's nice when you can find someone that you can click with and get on with and I've always said that you don't have to be good friends with the driver um, and yeah, you don't have to be best mates like some people say but it helps you know you spend so much time with them yeah. um, that if you don't get on then yeah but we, we had plenty of laughs with you know shockingly appalling sort of DJ choices from uh, from both sides of the car and yeah the usual sort of thing but yeah it was it was a lot of fun. You had a good couple of years together, but within that, there was also other drivers as well mm-hmm. as Molly, and one that stands out is Elvin Evans. Yes. I mean, you sat alongside Elvin Evans, who is now, you know, who's been battling for the, the title in the, in the World Rally Championship for the past few years. Yeah, so towards the end of that year, in 2012, um, Elvin had dominated the, uh, the, the WRC Academy that oh, year, yeah. um, and he'd already wrapped up the championship. Um, so Phil Pugh, who was co-driving from at the time, decided he'd probably want to take a a back seat so essentially I was on an audition um, with, um, I did uh, an event in, in Belgium the Condros Rally which uh, Elvin was at M Sport at the time kind of working for them as well in between events and they'd said oh you can go and demonstrate our new rally uh, R1 car as it was back then um, and that didn't get off to a particularly well the start was good actually we won the first three stages and we're beating the local local legend that sounds good to me and unfortunately we rolled it into a ball um on the like it was the fourth stage um on a notorious corner as they always are in belgium um and yeah destroyed this little rally one fiesta um but then we jumped straight on the plane and went to catalonia which was the final round of wrc academy and um yeah i think we we had a couple of punctures but still finished on the podium um and it was yeah it was clear then that from my side, that Elvin was obviously incredibly talented. Um, yeah. You know, it was so much natural speed. Um, and, yeah, and obviously I, I didn't end up sitting next to him after that. They they kind of decided to go with Dan Barrett, which I myself at the time admitted was, you know, absolutely the right choice. I, I wasn't experienced enough, I didn't feel, to be able to... Yeah. Because Elvin was stepping up to four-wheel drive machinery and I think, you know, Dan had already been done a full season in WRC it was it was definitely the right man for the job yeah. but I was very grateful for the kind of even being asked. Yeah, yeah exactly that they considered me worthy of a, of a shot in the car and yeah um it, it was a, it was a great kind of finale to the year um and, and of course it gives you a little bit more hunger doesn't it if, you know to keep pushing and keep uh, you know keep moving yourself forward yeah and I mean you're you're you know at the, there you were at the final round or you're in, in Rally Spain with, with Elvin and 
you're around people in the WRC, so your name is there, mm-hmm. your, see, your face is being seen, and I think that's one thing a lot of people underestimate is the power of actually being on events and getting your face known, introducing yourself to people. Yeah. That has such a, a massive stay in, in what happens with your career, with the things that you do, because people will remember you for, oh yeah, is that, is that really tall kid? <laughs> yeah, I, I that unique, unique uh, <laughs> selling point. Oh yeah, I remember him, you can't miss him, but but no, you're, you're right, it's completely, it's something I say to anyone who, who sort of will ask me for a bit of advice, or kind of, oh yeah, what, what shall I do? And, and I always say to them, you've just got to be on event. Of yeah. course, the ultimate is to be able to co-drive on it. That, there's no doubt about that. But I made a point of being like, right, if I can't co-drive, I'll coordinate. If I can't coordinate, I'll do something marshalling, helping the organisers, weather crew, gravel crew, you name it, I just need to be there. Yeah. Um, and like I say, ultimately, people, <laughs> when they get sick of you or just, you know, won't forget you, they'll remember that this, you know, this guy's still around. He pops up all the time and... Yeah, and I think that's that's probably how kind of my next step came about, really, because yeah, with um, with moving to Kevin Abring, um, I hadn't before that you oh. sat with Mr. Breen at Monza. Well, yes, of course, yeah. So you know, you sat alongside Craig Breen as well. I, I was I'm trying to go through my kind of <laughs> cross them all it's, off. It's like a Rolodex, of just you know, <laughs> amazing drivers you've sat next to. Yeah, yes. Over the years, and again, that was obviously I'd been working with Craig for a couple of years by this point, doing the coordinating and gravel notes for him on events. Um, so yeah, we we got on really well, and and Craig, um, again was was wanting to I think. If memory serves me correctly, he um, he had Paul Paul Nagel co-driving for him at the time, but Paul was going back to work with Chris, um, so Craig was like, right, okay, need need a new co-driver, and we uh, we did Monza together just as a kind of bit of a laugh end of season. Yeah, it's a lot of fun there, yeah. um, and uh, and yeah, it was sort of potentially you know let's see what happens going forward, um, and again, Scott Martin got the got the drive in the end, um, which. As with Dan and Elvin, I said that's a hundred percent the right choice. You know, Scotty's again. I still haven't got any four wheel drive experience at this point. Yeah. He, you know, he's definitely the man for the job. But I was incredibly grateful of uh, of the chance to, to sit with Craig. It, I'm, I think it's probably the one and only time I've used back to front pace notes, <laughs> where where the, the six is a is a slow corner, which still baffles me to this day. But, um, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, <laughs> does it? Well, yeah, each to their own, we should say. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be here a long time. But, uh, but yeah, it was um, it was a lot of fun, and um, yeah, obviously, I've known the Breens for so long, and yeah, Ray and Jackie's parents were there, and it was just yeah, yeah. a great way to finish the year um, after after what we'd done. Well, I'd, I'd done before, and, and Craig had been pretty busy as well. So, so how did the Kevin Abering element come in then? Well, yeah, so... Because he was the next year and that was the... Yeah, so it was... Um, I'd met Kevin in... I possibly was earlier, but I, my first real memory was in 2010 when Kevin was doing the JWRC mm. in a Renault Clio. And, of course, I was doing it with, with Harry Hunt in the Fiesta. So, of course, you, you get chatting to your, your competitors and between stages and yeah, it'd been very friendly, but nothing particularly beyond that. But we were both known to each other and um and this is now in the days of social media um he just popped me a message on facebook saying oh um would you be interested in in co-driving with me next year i think kevin that year in 2013 had done the the peugeot sport cup um and so he his prize drive was uh again a sort of works drive in the european championship um Mm. with uh with peugeot sport and so of course 
having just done two-wheel drive stuff, I was like, yeah, absolutely, I'm interested in that. Um, so we met up and worked through his pace note system, which is another one which is, sorry Kevin, quite unorthodox. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, we went and did, uh, I think, did we do a test? I can't recall now. Yeah, I think, yeah, we went and did a test and, and the first rally was like, yeah, okay, let's do this, let's let's go for it. Um, and it was quite funny because we ended up being teammates to Craig and Scott. Um, so they said, oh, when were you going to tell us this then? Because the movement schedule got sent out and I was I was the name listed as the co-driver because I've been super secretive about it. And they were like, oh, wow, brilliant, fantastic. And yeah, it was, they were a, a great year, but I would say more from things off the stages than, than on it. Yeah. Um, it it's no, no secret that the car had its troubles. This was the Peugeot. Yeah. Um, I think Kevin and I, I don't know the exact numbers, but we led, I would say, probably 75 or 80% of the events that we did, but finished probably 10 or 20% of them. Um, yeah, so, it, was, it was a tough year for both Kevin and Craig. Yeah, it was really, really difficult. Um, it was a brand new car, um, and obviously it was a kind of towards the start of when the, uh, sort of the R5 category had, had been uh, brought in by the FIA and there were a lot of teething problems with it and mm. it was great to be doing the events and in that car and it, for me it was a big step up you know reading notes at that speed and uh, you know doing some new rallies as well in ERC that I'd not done before or done for a while so that, that was really good um, but it was immensely frustrating you know you'd be in some great positions having brilliant battles with with Craig or um, Essa Pekalapi, who went on to win the championship that year, um, but it more often than not came to nothing. Um, you know, a typical story: out front leading, and then ugh, the car let us down. Um, but you know, it's a learning experience, and it, we clearly made enough of an impression because then, yeah, you know, the end of the year, um, Hyundai came knocking. Yeah, and that was then the the kind of it felt like a little bit. Wow, this is getting to the big time. This is actually happening. This, yeah. you know, this is a manufacturer-backed yeah. drive. Not that the others weren't as, but this was at another level. It was, felt. yeah. Because I mean, towards the end of that year, we had nothing on the table really, and I think I knew that Kevin was talking with Skoda because we we'd gone out there to do a test in in the Czech Republic, and and I was thinking, oh, just just go with that, like with the European Championship again, maybe some Asia Pacific, just do that, that something, do it, do it, do it. But I didn't know at that point in the background, Hyundai were kind of interested in, in courting Kevin as a, a test driver, mm. test and development driver role. Um, so obviously when I when I kind of found out about that, I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah, um, yeah good good work for kind of holding out on that one. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it was, I, I remember we, we went to Monte Carlo that year um, to do the recce. So basically we were going to be doing lots and lots of testing, but the part of the deal that we'd done was that we'd, we'd be doing the recce for every event um, and we rocked up to Monte Carlo and the hotel in, in Nice that everyone stays in I was like oh wow you know, there's both Loeb and Ogier were in the in the lift and oh right okay <laughs> and I got a, a big massive hold all delivered to my room with, with all the team kit and like it was, I even took a picture of it I was so sad and put it on Instagram I was like wow like it's it's Christmas come early like in January um, and I was like a, a kid at Christmas because I had all this WRC team branded kit um, and yeah, it was like, wow, okay. Um, so we did the recce and I often would stay on to work with the team doing weather crew. So that was my kind of way that I wanted to keep involved and not just fly home, be involved, uh, part of the team. 
Um, and it was, um, I think we were supposed to be starting testing development of the new 2016 I&I that they were developing and that was going to start later in the year, sort of springtime. But um, we went to visit the factory and I remember, I think it was a Thursday, I was at the factory in Alza now in fe early February and uh, and we kind of went to see Alan Panatti and said, oh, might be something uh, next week, just be ready. I was like, right, okay, be ready. Uh, so it, as it transpired, um, Danny Sorder, had, had, I think, I can't remember the exact circumstance, but he basically broken, I think it was his collarbone or something. Yes, it was either on a bike or... They usually happen like that, don't they? It's, it's a yeah. bike or a quad. Yes, so Danny had broken a bone and couldn't do the rally. So suddenly, having never been in a rally, a WRC car, never tested a WRC car, we were told Friday morning... You're getting on a plane on Saturday. You're doing Rally Sweden next week, and it was like, oh my god! Oh my! And you know, you <clears> are <throat> the most prepared person I've ever met in my life. Mm. But this must have caught you completely out at left field. How do you go about then doing your preparation for Rally Sweden, which <laughs> luckily you've done before? Well, I'd, I'd done it at the back of the field in an R2 car. Yeah, <laughs> it was completely different yeah. circumstances, but at least you. I, I don't know whether we were even doing any similar stages at that point because it's so many yeah, years old. Yeah, we were, yeah. We were still, okay. So that's good, but at least you've, you've been to the area before, which is, I think, a, you know, a big plus. There was some familiarity there, and I'd, yeah. been, I'd been there the previous couple of years coordinating for Craig Breen as well, so I knew the lay of the land, and it, that wasn't, you know, kind of a hindrance or kind of a, something that was going to cause me a, a problem. But, yeah, I remember we, we, we flew in, and we, were, we got a full day's testing, or no, maybe half a day three quarters of a day testing um the day before the recce and of course you, you strap yourself in and you know, it all feels nice but a, alien um, yeah a bit more space than an r5 car right yeah well yes and no i mean yeah by, by this point i've finished growing but I'm, I'm i've always said i'm good at origami i'm good at folding myself up into these cars but you know obviously driving on the studded tires haven't done that for quite a while and I don't know what this car's capable of. I know what an R5 car can do, but yeah, I rem just remember being blown away at the, the grip that you got from the, the studded tyres. And we, we had a, one big spin into the snowbanks, which was fine, but yeah, that test day was just like, wow, this yeah. is phenomenal. Um, I'm sure. And I, I remember you, you seeing you at the end of the weekend, um, and just, we had you know, plenty of problems, you know, not the problems, but we hit loads of snowbanks. We were minutes behind the winners. Mm. But... I, I remember you saying, "Oh, you've got the biggest smile of anyone." You could, you know, even the guy who won the rally um, wasn't smiling as much as I was because it was just amazing. It was mm -hmm. so much fun, and and this is it. It's kind of, yeah, all these years of plugging away and basically questioning whether actually what I'm doing is viable. You know, I'm not earning enough money, or <clears throat> it's you know, it's a false hope. And this was the point where it's like, "Wow, I've made my WRC debut in a WRC car." Like, <laughs> yeah, cool. Right at the last minute as well. At the you? last minute. and But then, of course, the problem was like, oh, that was nice. So um, you'll be testing in about um, three weeks, and then we had no idea when we'd get to compete again. Um, we knew we'd do, I think, three events was the, the was the deal, but oh, you're chomping at the bit there. It's like, oh, I yeah. want to do more, I want to do more. And there was a small chance that we might do Mexico, but Danny had recovered in time, so that one didn't happen. But, yeah, it was still... Um, it, was, yeah, it was really cool experience um did, did you you know saying that you're chomping at the bit to compete knowing that kevin hasn't got 
huge amount of rallies planned that year. Was there any point where you were looking around for another driver then, or were you, you know, no. you loyal? No, I mean, I think I was aware of what an incredible opportunity it was to be in that environment. Mm. Um, and to be honest, there wasn't the time for anything, because even if we weren't competing, we were, I think, bar Australia, we were at every WRC event that year doing the recce. Um, so that's obviously yours. You know yourself always, always a lot, already a lot of travelling, plus development tests, which are typically three or four days each, um, yeah. just hammering miles in on, on, on the new car. Um, so, yeah, it, it was... There was so much going on that I, I didn't even, never even contemplated it. It was just, this is my focus. Got to give everything to this because ultimately, yeah, it's, it's hard enough getting your foot in the door. Um, yeah, it's even big and challenge to stay there. Um, so, yeah, now that I'm in, you've got to really, now's when the work really starts. Yeah. And there was more opportunities for, for WRC drives. Yes. With, yeah. with Kevin mixed in with the R5s. Yeah, yeah. There was, um so... Towards the end of that year, I um, and I decided to do an R5 project. Um, so we kind of finished off the development of the, the 2016 car, um, and then we then started on yeah working the very first R5 car they produced, um, and then also on top of that the, the 2017 car. So it was just relentless testing. Um, there's a place I, I often say there's a place in the south of France. I'm sure you've heard it mentioned before. Ah yes, Fontjoncouze, which yeah. I. Uh, I wouldn't even say I have a love-hate, I just hate-hate relationship with that place. I've spent, I've spent weeks there in those years, um, being thrown around, doing all the development testing, and it was it's a great proving place for a car. Um, you know, it's uh, you, the, en- the engineers learn a lot about it, put it that way. <laughs> the the co-driver less so, but yeah, um, we, we, we did a huge amount of work with the team, and it was, it was great to get that insight as well, because it's one thing to be on the competition side, but you do learn so much more about how the team operates and you get that freedom to talk to the engineers a bit more and yeah. and un- understand how a WRC team functions um, and yeah, get to work with, with a variety of different people and departments and yeah, like I say, interspersed with events as well, which yeah, we had, so we had some good events through that time. Um, one of the highlights for me was probably, I think Rally GB that year in 2015, yeah. Um, so as I said before, it was always a the boys' tradition that we'd go and watch GB each year, um, and we'd done that all every year bar one up until when I started competing on Rally GB, um, and throughout since then they sort of come to a couple of them. But this year I was competing in a WRC car, so my dad and my brother had to come and watch, and I prepared a spectator guide for them. Said go here. Of course yeah, you yeah, had. Yeah, I, I knew you were you gonna have that reaction. Um, and so I knew exactly where they were going to be stood at the top of Pike's Peaks in Meherin. Um, mm. Just as you go into the windmills, I'm like, yeah, that's the space to go. And so I knew they'd be there. And and I kind of came around the corner and I glanced up through the muddy side window and, and I saw they were there and kind of just waved my hand up to give a little wave and like, oh, keep focused. But I, anyway, I wanted to do it. And I actually had a real lump in my throat go around the next corner. Because I think that was the kind of point where I realised, wow, like, I've, I've made it, it's kind of, this This is it, you know, like, I stood on these stages 14 years ago watching it for the first time, looking in through the window, peering at the, the co-driver and thinking, wow, look how cool that is, and here's me looking looking out at my, my family up on the bank, being like, ah, oh, it was, yeah, it was a really, wow. really special moment, um, and quite, yeah, yeah, sort of lump in the throat. I'm just <laughs> thinking about it now. Yeah. 
Unfortunately, the engine blew up 20 k later, but um, <laughs> brought back down to earth with a bump. But, Classic um, end to that story. Yeah. Um, but no, it was that was really special. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was. I mean, what were your family thinking at this point? Because you'd obviously had quite a, a few years now with with good success. You know, the work is coming in, you're travelling, you are doing various different things. If you're not co-driving, you're doing logistics, you're keeping your hand in all the time. They must have been pretty proud of what you were doing. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the thing. The, 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 the pride element was, was there. and they, they, They'd stopped asking me when I was going to get a proper job. So I knew I knew I was doing something right by that on point. On the right yes. road at this yeah. point. But on the right road, but it was all going to be changing, really, wasn't it? Because even yes. though things were going really well, they were about to come to a different kind of fork in the road yep. with Kevin Abering and moving on to Hayden Padden. Yeah. Which is quite a different kind of veering on. Yeah, so obviously Hayden had been uh, been in the Hyundai team all the while I was there. Um, and of course you get to know your teammates and you have a bit of a laugh. And being uh, Hayden obviously and John being Kiwis, we'd always have a bit of a banter about the cricket. And, uh, mm. you know, there was a good good sort of dynamic there. Um, and I think even as early as t- early 2015, um, Hayden asked if I could just jump in on a test with him because John was um, travelling back from New Zealand I think or for whatever reason couldn't make the test so I was like yeah sure I was there anyway so I just had to stay on an extra day and um, yes yeah, so that was kind of great to see what a driver who knows how has had already a year or so's experience in these cars how we, how they drive them and like expose yourself to a different set of pace notes and blah 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 um, and then nothing really went happened after that for quite a while until middle of 2016 again i was asked if i could a very very short notice i think literally had three hours to get to the plane to jump on and, and be in alsace to do a test with with hayden again because john couldn't get there something had happened um so i was like yep yeah, okay sure and um it was tarmac test before which rally was it must have been right pre-valley germany i think yeah. It was quite funny because um, we went out on the first uh, first road. Hayden's going to kill me for this, but <laughs> <laughs> went up and down the road, warming the tyres. Yep, yeah, okay. Really kind of under the trees. Used to be a stage in the Alsace Strasbourg WRC event. Quite greasy and green under the trees. And uh, yeah, on the first run, <laughs> we slid wide under braking. And the slowest just slid into the ditch. Boom. Oh no. And oh, and over it rolled onto its side. And it was like, oh, like first and he was like oh man like, this is not good kind of you know. so radio the team you know bring the truck bring the tow car <laughs> we're pulling out so we um we got the car out and we've, we've been towed back to the service area and um and Aiden said oh um probably not very good timing this but just wondered um what, what have you got any plans for next year um would, would you be interested in co-driving for me and I was like kind of looked at him and was like uh, well, despite what just happened, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, okay." I mean, <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. I, I, I could, yeah, sure. Let Let's talk. Um, so we got back to service and helped the mechanics, you know, repair it and put the duct tape and sticky tape on and get the car ship shape again. And um, and yeah, our kind of conversations developed from there. Mm. Um, <laughs> intriguing as a complete tangent. I then had to leave that test early because I was going to the development test the following day in a different part of France. So I jumped in the car, got to the airport, flew down to uh, south of France, and then on the fourth, th- third or fourth run of the next day with Kevin, 
the car, the new car, something locked in the centre diffs that we were testing. <laughs> Went up the bank, boom, and rolled again. <laughs> You're joking. Oh, the mechanics looked at me. A different set of mechanics, but obviously they knew what had happened yesterday. Yeah, they looked at me like, you. You are the common Get out. denominator. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so obviously yeah, back with, with the Hayden story, kind of a few a few rallies on, it kind of the, the deal was done really. Um, yeah. And I would call of John would sort of basically begin his sort of first retirement, I guess we can call it now. Um, well, seeing as he's back, yes. competing this weekend, yeah, yeah, let's call it the first retirement. Um, so yeah, I kind of John would do the first half of the year, um, and I would sort of take over from from the second half, but doing all the testings to sort of get the rapport and get the understanding yeah. of the notes, and yeah, it kind of into the next phase up up in my eyes at least up the ladder another rung. I mean, it was quite an incredible step because you know. I think had a lot of us seen it coming, I can't really remember because there was a lot of chat <laughs> as to what would happen when John Kennard retired because we knew it was coming. Yeah. And there was a lot of, oh, well, he's going to bring a co-driver from New Zealand. It's going to be this young guy. And we're thinking, really? Someone without any experience? No, I'm not sure it's going to it's gonna happen like that. And I think it wasn't such a surprise. Perhaps not. And I think I caught you out yeah, you by did. a text message. Yeah, you you. I, th- I would say quite deviously, um, Miss Williams, yeah. I would say it was a pretty devious text yeah. message because uh, I wasn't sure if you were co-driving for him or not. <laughs> and I think I just sent you a text saying, you know, heard the news, congratulations, really looking forward to seeing you together with Hayden or something like that. I think you actually said, I heard your John Kynard's butt double. Butt double. <laughs> was what you said. Okay, potentially that's, that sounds more like me than what yeah. I just said. Um, yeah, and you just responded with, oh, I wasn't sure anyone knew. And I thought, ha ha ha. You got me. I got you. Lesson learned, actually. I've, no, I've never been quite so open since. Um, but yeah, it was um, it was a, it was a step up. And yeah, I think, like you say, that, Actually, I suppose it, even with Kevin, it was a little bit the extent that I seem to have got these opportunities and stepped up to work with people who are more experienced than I was, which was is quite a strange scenario to be in, really, yeah. where, where you're the kind of, not that you're supposed to be the one that's in control in the car, but supposed to be the karmic influence. And, and I was, you know, younger than Hayden. I was done far less WRC rallies. I mean, crikey, you'd already won Rally Argentina by this point. It was yeah. like, wow. I mean, and I, but equally, I kind of identified from a year or so before it even happened, I was like, hmm, it's a good person to know this. I think, I think it's, it's interesting. You, you mentioned the, you know, uh, being the calming influence in the car because you are a very calm individual, but you've been with some drivers over the years who are not in the least bit calm. Mm-hmm. Have you had to work hard at the controlling nature, the the calming nature then, let's say, because um, you've been with some people who are pretty hot-headed. One we'll get on to, <laughs> who's coming up. Um, I wouldn't say I've had to work so hard on it. Um, I always felt that there's often two types of co-driver, I think. And there's those that will kind of rein a driver in, and there's those that will really push, push one on. And I, it's not in my nature, I don't think, to be the type that would push a driver on. Partially because I don't think, you know, I'm not a driver. I don't know how to drive the car as well as these guys do. So it's not for me to be like, come on, you can carry more speed through here. I mean, it all feels quick to me. <laughs> um, but but also it's kind of, it, it's a bit more, I you know, for me it's, I should be letting them, a driver kind of, 
reach their own, reach their limit, and I'll judge if it's just a little bit too much. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I think it's not something that I ever really thought about. Of like, I've got to work on my kind of stern voice, or yeah, some of these things did develop. I'll perhaps mention it later on. But yeah, um, it was just it just felt quite natural, really. Um, <laughs> Your stern voice. <laughs> Uh, sorry. No, it, um, I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, it's um, certainly the, the time with Hayden. I I I rarely had to like rein him in, mm. and I rarely had to put pull you know push him on. He was very very and still is a very very good judge of kind of yeah. pace and. He seems to be very much is not that the other drivers are their own person, but he seems to know without I, needing the confidence boost. Of someone saying exactly, you got this, or you know, yeah. go on, push, push, push. It's you know that that's it always kind of in that that sort of thing never sat well with me. So it was great to work with Hayden, who knew, you know, was very comfortable with what he was doing and, and understood the car and kind of having that. I think as well because he's such a good mechanic, you have that sympathy with it of you yeah. know when it's a really rough rally, you can't attack every corner as as though it's the last, and it's you know things like that where some people will just be gung ho, and that's where you're mm. like, oh, just think about it here you know we're not going to make the end of the day if you carry on like this I mean you had some great moments sat alongside him though because you know the podiums yeah all of a sudden you're on the WRC podium it's mad I think my my third third event with Hayden well actually and even on the second event we were leading which was like wow yeah that one okay we moved a bit too exuberant didn't, didn't end quite how we hoped but anyway on to the next event in Poland and yeah we my first WRC podium, second in Poland which was one of the fastest events on the championship calendar yeah it was brilliant um and it was, it's one of those, it's never, you never kind of um, expect these things. I think at every step of, in my career, I've always had the, the thought of, oh, well, you know, I don't have a dream of being a world champion or doing mm. this. It's always been like, oh, well, I'm really enjoying this. Let's just see how far I can go. And, you know, it, I'll, yeah, you know, if I, if I get there, then that's great. If I don't, well, that's fine, but I'll just keep pushing and always trying to think, well, what's the, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And I wouldn't sort of, looked at that until I'd unlocked the level below almost um, and I think it's been very much my philosophy of if you don't try you'll never know certainly when I was in that period of you know leaving uni and like oh is this really viable it's not really I can't live a life like this but you kind of push through and persevere and and as you got to the point where yeah latterly you're getting these opportunities to first of all be in a WRC guy like, wow well, I've ticked that box right mm. what's next Okay, well, next I suppose is you want to you want to win a stage, which I did, and then then you want to you know lead a rally, did that, and then be on the podium, and all of these things. Which when I started out, and I never would have thought, you know, like oh, that's I've got to do this. If uh, that's not how I kind of measured my sort of achievements, really, it was just it was just great to be there because yeah. I because ne- I never thought it would be possible. You know, that that kid stood at the side of the stage was like, don't be stupid. You know, yeah. You're not going to be one of only ten people co-driving the world championship. That's ridiculous. Um, and, and, and there I am. You're doing it. And yeah. It's... So it it was. I mean, it was fantastic. And yeah, I had four four of the po- four podiums in total with Hayden um, on some great rallies. Um, and yeah, a lot of like we said, like I think it's a common theme, I guess, through through all of them. Just a lot of fun. Just really great time on the road trips and. You know, experiences and we had a really good relationship with our engineer so that made things really even more fun and just yeah it's it was a and a really I really enjoyed my time there a lot because um, in, in 2018 
we kind of our, the plan was that I'd do half the season in seventeen and then a, the full cho- the full program in eighteen, but it got scaled back because I and I decided to go with a different strategy for their driver rotation policy. So we only ended up doing half half the program, um, which was really frustrating. Um, you know, you you kind of got to that point. Oh, come on, I want to do the full season. Mm. We worked towards that, but have a crack at the title. Well, I mean. Right. Uh, to be honest, I, no, but I, I hadn't even thought that far ahead. I just, at that point, I still hadn't done a full season of rallies. And yeah, I'd, I'd still never done Mexico, I'd never done Argentina. I'd been there, but I'd not competed on them. So it, I wasn't even thinking that far ahead. It was like, right, I've been on the podium. Next up, it's either do the full season or, or win one of them, basically. Um, and yeah, that was kind of what I wanted to do. But yeah, it didn't quite work out in 18 when we got told you're only doing six or seven events but with hindsight actually it was still a really good year i actually had a great time that year mm. um there was a really nice sort of um we, we sort of picked certain events that we wanted to do we were able to they gave us the opportunity to say well that one that one that one and some of them definitely didn't go to plan but others yeah we had a really really great time um so we were apart from the one one dnf in in Portugal we were really consistent that year mm. I think we had like um, a second a third and then f- two or three fourths and a seventh maybe so it was yeah, it, you had two seconds two fourths a third yeah it was um fifth it was really consistent saying we were in and out of the car as well it wasn't like we were week in week out it was I think the biggest gap was Sweden to Portugal which felt like an eternity um, and then we had the accident there, which kind of knocked us off our stride a bit for Sardinia, where Hayden was still recovering from that. But then the sort of pushing into the second half of the year was, was really strong. Mm. Yeah, then... Which is why it was all that more disappointing, knowing that it wasn't going to continue on the next year. When did you know yeah. what was going to happen? <clears throat> it, was, it was a difficult finale to the, to the season. Um, we kind of... We're going into, I think it was Rally G, around the time of Rally GB, where we should have been getting confirmation from the team that you know this was going to be happening, and but nothing was happening fast, and the, you always kind of have a few doubts. Oh, what's what's really going on? You know, the deal should have been done by now, or yeah. Um, and I think it was at that point that. I wasn't kind of questioning, or oh, what am I going to do? I was just thinking, right, well, stick with it and this kind of thing. But completely out of the blue, um, the Monday after Rally GB, I got a, a phone call from from Chris Meek, who obviously had been sacked by Citroen earlier in the year, mm. um, but at this point hadn't been announced. But he had obviously signed a deal to to return with Toyota, um, and he said he you know, he wanted to go with a bit of a change of change of direction with the co-driver and. Would I be interested? And it was a wow. Okay, um, it was the one of the hardest decisions I've had to make. But at the same time, it was something I knew I had to do. Um, you know, faced with Chris offering a full season at Toyota, which something okay, they were the world uh, manufacturers champions at that point, uh, and I'd I'd never done the full season, which is something I really wanted to tick. But I felt a huge amount of loyalty to Hayden, of course, because he basically you know giving me my best results at that level and it was really difficult um but Hayden didn't have a program confirmed and as it transpired unfortunately didn't get one for the next year um so I I kind of I had to make my decision um before the full picture was known but 
you know, is what I had to do. And yeah, it was a really tough end to that year. Um, but we finished out on a high with uh, with another podium in Australia, um, ironically, but probably one of our best events actually. Um, but yeah, that was that was the uh, sort of the closing of the door at Hyundai after five years there. Yeah, that was five a... four. Four. <laughs> yes. It was quite a, you know, it's a long time. It's quite a big chapter to close. And yeah. It's, it, it's a chapter where you've achieved so much because you've been with the different drivers, you've discovered different cars, you've got your first WRC podiums. Yeah. And, you know, you know that you are now at this level that you've got Chris Meek calling you, for goodness sake. Yeah, which that is unexpected to say the least. But, um, yeah, it was, but of course it was very exciting, you know, to be going into work with. That team, which you know, we, you could see how good the car was, how good the team was, and of course, in terms of Toyota, Toyota, yeah. yeah, and of course, you know, Chris, I'd known Chris for a long time, not closely. I'd actually been his teammate briefly on that Rally of Scotland in two thousand and nine, mm. where uh, a car broke down for us, but it never materialised. But yeah, it was Chris is obviously someone that you've you've seen around on, like I say, between stages. And well, I mean, if you hadn't heard of Chris Meek in your rally in Korea, you know, you'd yeah. have, you were under a blanket. I mean, of course, I'd, I'd watched the onboards of him in Killarney and uh, Donegal and the McRae stages, and oh, I thought, wow, well, you know, these are great. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was, again, it was another one of those where I took a, I guess, another sort of step up in terms of doing the full championship, but it was with a driver who was vastly more experienced than I was again. Um, you know, Chris had won five events yes. by that point, and here was me that's, I think if he'd done 80 or 100 events, I'd, I'd done 40 or 50, and it's kind of like, Phew. Also, the experience, the speed, but a reputation mm. for being a hothead. Was there any doubt in your mind going no. into that partnership? Not really, which is maybe a bit naive. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um... No, not at all. I think... You know, anyone would snap at that opportunity because he's such an exciting yeah. driver. When you you saw, particularly in that year in 2016, what what he was capable of when yeah. the car was working, which we know the Toyota was, I knew the Toyota was a good car. I mean, he was unstoppable, yeah. um, and of course that was a big appeal. You know, you you look and like I said, I was looking towards the next target of doing the full season. Great, I can achieve that. Mm. Of course, you you know, the next thing is to try and win one. Um, and so, yeah, that was where I you know, thought it was the best chance of that going to happen. Um, so we, we went into into the season and I do remember chatting to, to Scott Martin in a Gap Town Hall before the start of the Monty. And despite having been there for every year for 10 years, I'd never done the Monty. Done gravel notes, coordinated, whatever, but I'd never done the rally. And here we were, Scott was just starting his partnership with, with Elvin Evans. And we looked at each other like, what are we doing? It's the first rally together, brand new driver and pace notes, brand new car, for me a brand new rally, in the dark, in Selenay, on slicks and studs. And like, oh my word, like <laughs> what on earth have I let myself in for? And we and I the guy the first corner is like I know it's like flat left, flat right, and then a hairpin right. I swear I'd almost called the hairpin right before we left the line. I was that nervous, kind of like, <gasps> don't screw up. Like, yeah, yeah. There's, this, you know, because the, the, that, the Toyota on tarmac was phenomenal as well. Um, and obviously Chris, he was, he'd been on podium contention on that rally many times in the past. Yeah. So that's probably one of the most nervous I've ever been before a rally uh, or during rally. Just, yeah, there was, 
even though I'd done, like, say, 50 odd events by this point, there were so many things that were just, like, new and alien and, like, mm. um, But I think we were, we were second on the first stage, I think, or something, and then punctured, and it all kind of slightly unraveled after that. But we did win the power stage, that, that, um, that right event, and it's like, wow. Okay, this is cool. I mean, <clears throat> how much of a difference was it from Hayden to Chris in terms of everything? I'm talking. Now. Um, I mean, yeah, like you said, Chris is a perhaps slightly more intense character. Um, Hayden's a bit more laid back. Yeah. Um, and for me, the big, the biggest thing I noticed was in in the way that they made their pace notes. Um, kind of how I spoke about earlier with the co-driver, but. Hayden would write his notes in terms of telling him where he can go flat out. Oh, I can push on this corner. This one's a flat, you know, fast, whatever. And he had some really detailed notes. Whereas Chris would write them with a slightly different philosophy. He'd just be absolutely flat out everywhere. And the notes would tell him where to slow down. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. I didn't know that. Um, And this was kind of like the biggest thing for me that it was like, ah, it's... Yeah, the, the stage times might be within tenths of a second, but the philosophy of how you write them, and I think it's probably even subconscious as well for yeah. them, was quite stark in my mind. Um, it's, it's incredible. Um, so, yeah, there was... It, it, it always kind of amused me when people said, oh, Chris is a bit flamboyant, reckless, and this kind of thing, and the reality is actually very different. He's incredibly smooth, very, very you know, smooth and kind on the car, but obviously pushing everything to the absolute limit and <clears throat> those margins are very very small and unfortunately um, we went over them quite a few times that year not in a big way but just enough to bend the steering or you know break a st- suspension or something and yeah it was it was a trying year um they kind of we'd missed out on the podium in argentina because we got punctured two k's from the end and you know, Point two of a second or something behind OG, I can't remember, but it was like, ugh, a few times where it was like, we could have been in contention for the podium at the very least, Yeah. but something had gone wrong, whether it was our fault or just a little bit of misfortune or whatever. And yeah, I think it probably reached the fever pitch in Portugal where we were going to the final day, battling with, with Oit for the win. We were st- less than four seconds apart with three stages to go or something and yeah we made a bit of a cock up there which that was probably the low point really um <clears throat> but yeah everything like that you still have to learn from it and we both learned something from that experience um and you take it forward and yeah ultimately we did manage to get the podium finally in uh, in germany um a part of a uh, place now kind of in overwritten a bit by last weekend in safari hasn't it but we, we were part of a toyota 123 <laughs> with uh winning the rally i was in second and, and yari matty in third in germany um which was a fantastic you know part thing to be a part of we also went to the factory in cologne the day after so yeah. it was a real kind of to be honest it i mean it was actually a bit of a relief um i should have been jubilant but i was actually more like oh, thank goodness that's kind of ticked off because obviously the expectation from everyone not least you know especially the team but of course yourselves as well is that we'd have challenged for numerous podiums throughout the year Mm. maybe some wins but as it turned out we only got the one um and yeah it was kind of it it made it quite a difficult uh difficult place to be the middle part of the year um but we got it and okay sometimes things go the way you hope they will and expect them to but sometimes they don't and 
yeah, that that year perhaps didn't go pan out as I envisaged. But um, but yeah, that's that's life, and that's kind of you just got to kind of accept it and right. Okay, yeah. what can we learn from it? I think um, so. Yeah, we didn't get the contract renewed, unfortunately, and yeah, then it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> what now? <laughs> what next? And yeah, it, I think it was interesting at the time because it was like right I was thinking what does Seb do now because for Chris he was very philosophical it was like oh, okay contract hasn't been renewed I can I'm gonna go off and do other things maybe do a bit of DAC or maybe do this that the other but my mind was like okay but what about Seb because there's no now top line drive driver who is looking for a new co-driver what did you think initially <clears throat> when that year came to an end and there was, at, the, at that time, a yawning chasm of a future with yeah, I mean, it know, was, nothing at that moment? I think, obviously, we kind of knew the writing was on the wall a little bit, so you never want to be too doom and gloom, but you kind of knew mm. the outlook wasn't good from, like, yeah, let's say, Rally Finland onwards. Um, Germany sort of picked it up at the podium and then oh, it went downhill again a bit, but... Yeah, I mean, it was, <clears throat> I can't really recall exactly how I did feel. It was just a little bit of don't rush into anything. Um, yeah, I kind of felt, okay, I've, I've been at this level, I've kind of achieved more than I ever thought I would be able to, so I don't need to do something just for the sake of it, just to try and keep my name out there. I've got enough of a reputation and a, you know, known in the service park. So just kind of, if nothing comes up, just sit tight for the time being um <clears throat> just because i didn't want to do anything that i either wouldn't enjoy or not even tarnish my reputation but just yeah you don't need to do something for the sake of it mm. um so I, I kind of decided off my own back right well I'll, I'll go to monte carlo because that's what i've done for the last 10 years um and just walk around the service park and catch up with people and say hey how you doing you know just like i did 10 years before when uh, when I opened my phone book and phoned all those people, I just thought I'd go and see people, and I think I came in to do commentary with you, didn't I? You did. And um, and a couple of bits just because you know we've known each other for so long, have a bit of a chat, and yeah, I kind of I, I enjoyed that, and so I actually then ended up going to Mexico with with the WRC TV to do a little feature about pace notes that I was really kind of excited for to. It was excellent. You know, sort of lift well. lift a little little bit on um on the uh, sort of how pace notes work and. Yeah, that was really good fun, but... It was 2020. <laughs> it was, and so we came back from Mexico and, well, and that was that really, wasn't it? Six months of not a lot of rallying, which I think probably helped because obviously I didn't have a contract for the year, but even if other people did, they weren't rallying either. So there was nothing for me to miss. Mm. You know, I didn't feel like, oh, I'm getting real FOMO, people are doing Rally Finland and I'm not there, and brr. You know, it was kind of like nobody knew what to do and it was just a big kind of, well see you whenever and see what happens um so i did a, i think was, i did a test with uh, with chris and skoda sort of back end of that year um and came out to another couple of wrcs um but nothing was really too much was happening everyone was still kind of reading from this is sort of the, the sport being stopped yeah um so yeah by that point there was kind of like oh okay well, i need to think a little bit more here of what's what's coming next <clears throat> um and then I suppose if we kind of ended up into 2021 and um, yeah, I basically the, the phone rang for me, I think it was, was it Phil Mills that called me? I can't recall, but basically I got a call from essentially from, from Oliver Solberg 
being like, I've got a bit of a situation. <clears throat> um, Aaron's not able to do this test or event. Uh, would you potentially, at this point, be able to be as like a super sub? I was like, okay, yeah, sure. So I, I actually travelled to, uh, to Finland for the Arctic Rally, fully expecting to pack my bags and turn around two days later and go home. Um, but as it transpired, I got an even later call up than the winter rally, six rallies, six years before, and got launched into uh, to doing that rally there. But yeah, I think from, I've sort of gone off on a tangent there, haven't I, Bex? But, no, no, it's um, fine, it's fine. But yeah, it was, that was in a, the first time I'd done an event where I was the vastly experienced person in the car, which was quite fun, actually, kind of. Oliver obviously was absolutely loving it. He was like I was. Yeah, I remember the joy at the stage end. He was he was just the shining light of yeah. the weekend. He was absolutely living the dream, and I was just there being like, oh, quite impressive. This kid, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, it, that was that was good fun. Um, nice to be sort of back. I hadn't sort of lost it. I, I hadn't been a WRC car for sixteen months or something. But it was like, oh right, yeah, two runs of shakedown, and you're back in the groove. And you yeah, having not done much code run for a little while, it was yeah fine yeah it all, all is good um so it was great to kind of have that little chance to be back in and and then yeah um after that the phone sort of rang and uh oh Mo it was molly again it was like oh how are you doing you know and i ended up doing a little program with her kind of oh, it would be a nice you know introduction back into it and back with you know so i guess probably trying to capture some of that um, enjoyment and adventure from the magic, uh, the magic from uh, from back in the, the when it all started, um, which was yeah, it was it was again another challenging couple of rallies, um, but good fun and good for you know to be sort of road tripping again. But yeah, I throughout that period, of course, I've, I've then been doing a little bit more work with with uh, with you guys in WRC TV, um, and I've really quite enjoyed that side of things as well. Um, yeah, and you're very good at what you do with us other stage ends when you're in commentary or if you're in a studio because your natural enthusiasm really shines through and you're so knowledgeable you've been there you've done it you know all these drivers they see you at the stage end it's like uh, how many times has Tacker said ah say <laughs> at the stage end and I, well this is I feel like that's a kind of big part of why I why I enjoy it and also why it's kind of I, I not that I find it easy but the familiarity of like mm. yeah I've I've driven this stage I've competed on I know what it's like and and I know all you know I know Thierry from being a teammate with him for years and yeah. and all these guys that there's that kind of mutual respect there as well which I think plays a big sort of part in how open they are with me and mm. I can get away with asking some questions and and perhaps you know push know, the push the envelope a little bit push the envelope a little bit equally but equally no perhaps. I know what they're feeling, now's not the time to ask yeah, that sort of I, I thing. Yeah, I think it's that understanding, isn't it? Yeah. You know, we, we, we do have some people who do come in who maybe don't have that familiarity, but I think from, from your perspective and also from mine, you've known these people for such a long yeah. time, you can read their body language, you know when you can ask certain things and you know, no, I'm steering away from that topic right now, that's yeah. a story for another time. Exactly, because I've been sat in the co-driver seat asking those questions and getting my head bitten off, <laughs> so it's like, ah, oh, I've lesson learned there. Um, but yeah, so it, it's been nice to have that kind of bit of variety of, um, you know, mixing, you know, being able to sort of use my uh, my sort of experience and knowledge yeah. and, and, like I said, sort of 
I guess, like I said, lift a little bit, a li- uh, lift the lid a little bit. Yeah. Um, for for those people, because I I remember when I was watching it as a as a kid, being like, oh, well, how does that work? You know, what are they doing? And yeah, just trying to make it a bit more, a bit more human, I guess. Relatable. Relatable. Yeah, because, completely. Because you know, whether we like it or not. Running is very complex sport, and we can make it more complex with the rules and regulations and different classes and categories. Yeah, and, and it, some people who are casual viewers will just think, "What?" Well, it's very niche, as I as I would say, and it's it, like it is a niche sport, yeah. and essentially it is just driver A driving to yeah. the end of the stage as quickly as possible. That's all it is. But we've managed to make it one of the most complex sports <laughs> known to man. And and yeah, so the, the kind of the chance to sort of. Yeah, explain that. It's been debunk it. Yeah, it's been really fun, um, and I've enjoyed that. And Good. it's kind of yeah, it's made me think. Well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of keen to to sort of continue doing some of that stuff. I'm I'm not saying I'm kind of finished go driving by any means, but it's not it's not as kind of I don't have to do it now. I feel like I've uh, yeah I don't I'm not still thinking. Oh, I need to win that event and get that title. It's kind of I think it. it Particularly over the period that we had a lot, a lot of time with nothing much to do, you had a lot of time to think, and it made you realise. Yeah. Well, how do you kind of frame the kind of success of what you've done? You know, it's not just the results and and you know oh, I've got this this finish here and that podium there. That's that's great and it's really nice to have those those things. But it's it made me realise it's more about kind of the experiences that I've had and the sort of the memories with it. Um, yeah, the the theme that's run through it's you know I've had a lot of fun I've had a lot of great times but equally some of those times when it's not been as enjoyable yeah it's 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 it, that those are the bits that I found harder and maybe what would you say if have not been the enjoyable bits then if you were to um is, is it just a general theme like the, the excessive travel for instance people that don't, is I think yeah. and, and appreciate how much that can actually weigh you down when you are constantly away from home yeah I mean that is relentless and particularly in that that 2019 season yeah I'd said I'd wanted to do a full season all along and I don't regret it at all but god it nearly broke me like the amount of travel I did just shy of 100 flights and I think Mm. in in the first five months of the year I was the longest time I was home was three and a half four days and it just it it kind of physically and sort of mentally you're just uh you kind of you feel like you're jet lagged the whole time um and that's something which I kind of like, I've enjoyed it, but I'm not sure I can handle that year in, year out. Um, mm. And yeah, it's sort of, I guess, what you assess, what, what is it that you kind of want to get from it? And one thing that for me, I've, rightly or wrongly, I've never been a fan of testing. Um, probably because I don't fit brilliantly in the car and it's quite uncomfortable and there's not much adrenaline when you're testing, so you can just feel really lethargic and tired and achy. And obviously part of being the test and development driver initially at Hyundai for those first few years was you did a lot of testing. And then when you're doing the full championship, it's, you know, if you're not on the rally rally on the weekend, you're, you're in the car testing. And there's a lot of that time, which it, it takes its toll and kind of, yeah, I, I wasn't, if you, I'm sure plenty of co-drivers might not admit it, but they all we all say it in private. If you could just rock up and do the rallies with less testing, it'd be great. But yeah. but that's not the reality of the job. You know, the job is you do this and you do that. So yeah, that was something which I kind of didn't enjoy really. Um, and yeah, it's sort of I guess it's part of it, but you don't always have to do it. So 
So right now you're working with us, WRC TV Stage End Reporting, you're working on the ERC Championship as a location manager, so pulling in all of your logistical skills and knowledge to make sure that all our broadcasts happen correctly, everyone is where they should be, and everything is running completely as it is. That is taking up a lot of your time at the moment. There is no room for co-driving right now. Well, pr mostly not, no. I mean, the, first of all, that's the theory of what I'm doing. Whether, whether it all happens and actually runs to time and we get all the information, yeah, you've got to try and uh, gloss over that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's really enjoyable to do that. Um, like I say, it's very much like co-driving in terms of spinning many plates, putting out fires and this kind of thing. And yeah, I guess this, this year I have got a lot on with, um, with, with those championships. Um, and I had, I had plenty of, of people asking if I'd be interested in doing stuff this year. Um, but for one reason or another, this, they just weren't right for, for me, whether it was the time commitment or the championship that they were doing. or Like I said before, I kind of, I've got to that point where I feel as I don't have to do something just for the sake of it. Or, yeah. Yeah, I, can, I can be a little bit more selective with, with what I want to do, um, which is a very nice place to be in. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of... I'm I'm enjoying what I'm doing at the moment, um, but I'm I'm not saying I've uh, hung up my helmet by any means. Um, I still have lots of things I want to want to do, but yeah, it's just kind of um, it's not perhaps the the ultimate priority to get back in and get back on that treadmill to do the full relentless schedule. Well, I'm glad to hear that you haven't hung up the uh, the pace notebook quite yet, and that you are, you know, still essentially for hire. <laughs> just if you feel like it, <laughs> it sounds like. I'm just going to go through a few things. Um, Scott Martin um, said um, <laughs> he said quite a number of things that we can't talk about, to be honest, um, <laughs> which is fair enough. But he did say, you know, all the times he said we've had some great times on rallies and away from rallies. ERC Peugeot days, which you brought up earlier on as, as teammates. He said, we've done, you know, ski trips together, cycling, good times. He said, ask him about his pet hate, which is slow people at the security oh. in airports. Oh, wow. See, this comes back to the things you don't like about... Exactly, travelling. I mean, there's a, myself and Scotty and Andrew Coley as well, who's a commentator. We, we have all agreed that there needs to be like a pro lane at airports. Yeah, 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 yeah more, than, more than, let's say, 20 flights a year. You qualify for the pro lane. You don't have to deal with uh, sort of people in front of you who've got no idea, Who's or even forgotten to take their belt off. Yeah, exactly. All the liquids. Have over a hundred mil in but your e bag. But equally, you don't get the kind of really uh, um, the the security officer who's very kind of condescending and speaks down to you. Have you got Have you got any more stuff in your pockets? No, it's fine. So yeah, but definitely. Yeah, that's. I don't handle airports well. <laughs> I have a quick question from Scott to ask you. He said you came close to missing a flight to Rally GB <laughs> after the ERC Awards in Corsica once. <laughs> I think I told you this story last week. You did? <laughs> yeah. Um, gosh, yeah, we'd, we'd finished our season with Peugeot in, uh, in 2014 and uh, it was the season closing uh, awards and Scotty likes likes to and knows how to party. He's he's the man he to follow. Um, his reputation precedes him. Um, so of course I followed Scotty. And we had we had a great uh, sort of end of season bash with our with our team and with the drivers and other competitors and this kind of thing, which finished very late. But um, but yeah, we we had a, I think an eight o'clock flight from uh, from Ajaxio Airport, and we were only staying five k's down the road. But both me and Scotty 
well, our alarms didn't go off. So Kevin Avering phoned, oh, where, where are you? Uh, oh, oh, I'm just, just, just getting ready, packing. Oh, okay. This is at 20 past seven. Oh, you flight's at eight? Yeah. Oh, um, my God. Get downstairs. Oh, where's, where's Scotty? And Kevin goes, oh, I don't know. <laughs> ring, ring his room. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming. So we get to the airport at quarter to eight. And thankfully, Jaxio is tiny, so we still managed to get on the plane, but last of the last borders, you know, they literally held it for us. <laughs> Walked on, sat down, fell asleep, and then, got, yeah, both me and Scott, everyone else was going home, but me and Scott were going on to do Rally GB, so the, the next day's recce was was a very quiet affair. Yeah, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was. <laughs> I messaged Mr Meek to see if he had any, you know, oh dear. Any, right. anything to tell, but he's come back with... Hey Bex, no big stories to be honest. Seb was just very good and hugely focused on his job. Sorry not to be able to give you any of the juicy stuff. And I don't believe him. Oh, I can't um, put that on my CV. I am <laughs> That's sure a reference. there are a few juicy stories in there that Chris Meek is not telling me. But, uh, <laughs> we'll talk about, I've, I've heard some lovely things from you about many, from many people, which I think is testament to your, you know, your incredible character because you're not only an ultimate co-driver, you're a lovely guy at the end of the day. And this is what Molly Taylor was saying. You know, he's a very special human. I can certainly see that. <laughs> Do you know how long we've been talking for? It, it must be heading towards two hours. We are almost at two hours. And what did you say to me before we started this? You'll never get an hour. <laughs> we are almost at wow. two, my man. So I think we need to kind of bring this to a close. And bring it to a close with the positive note that your career is still very much on the upward trajectory but you have come to a point in your career where you are happy doing more diverse things right now but that's not to say that we're not going to see you or hear you calling half long again <laughs> potentially absolutely yeah it's um i'm still very much involved with the sport and and i yeah i will be back in the car at some point so it's been a joy an absolute joy thank um, you very we're much. gonna have the full weekend together now doing erc latvia before you'll be at the stage ends for us in Estonia in a few weeks' time. And if anyone ever wants to get in contact with Mr. Marshall, he's across all social media. He is a bit of a mentor, so uh, I think maybe you can get some more clients. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Bex. For more great World Rally Championship content, head to WRC Plus. With its thousands of hours of archive footage and exclusive live programming, event review shows, and extensive onboards. Special features too on some of the legends of the sport. This is all available at wrcplus.com, the digital online home of the World Rally Championship.